I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome to episode 77 of the Cantabite Dispatch. I'm Emily Lynn, and with me tonight is nobody. That's right, it's a solo show. Brittany is still away in Florida, trekking around Disney World, probably. And yeah, it's just me tonight doing a solo show. Pretty self-conscious about it, feeling a little bit weird. But I think, I think we have some things to talk about. It'll be okay. Not much Star Wars news, but we do have a bunch of email and voicemail that we will get to. Um, let's see. Oh, one thing I got uh, last week when we had the excellent Haas on from Blue Harvest and Rogue One as a guest, I had mentioned that I got the Hot Toys Octu Luke. It came. It's amazing. I got the deluxe version, which came with like his cool backpack, which has all sorts of accessory stuff in it, and even has the little bottle, not full of green milk, but I'm going to see if there's some way I can I can paint it so it looks like it's full of green milk. Uh, it also comes with a little porg, and I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. Uh, check out our Twitter feed or my Twitter feed. You can see some pictures. If you're thinking about getting a Luke figure, it's a goddamn really good Luke figure. Uh, let's see. What's happening in Star Wars? Nothing is happening in Star Wars. Of course not, because not only do I have to record alone, I have to record alone with n- no Star Wars news. Uh, we're sort of in negative news, and that apparently there's definitely not going to be a Star Wars ad during the Super Bowl. At least that's what it's looking right like now. Whatever. I guess I'm not too surprised by that. I know we got one for Solo, but that actually seems a little bit weird to me. Uh, Star Wars is big enough, especially coming into episode 9, which is, you know, the end of the Skywalker saga, that I think they can make it a big of enough of an event without the Super Bowl. It'd be nice to see, but this way I have absolutely zero reason to watch the Super Bowl. So, yay! Don't have to even pretend to watch it. Awesome. I still want a title, though. You know, it's weird. I don't know why I want a title so badly. Because here's the thing with the Star Wars title. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, it doesn't matter at all. It gives us something to talk about. And, you know, like, The Last Jedi has this thing to it where you can, you can, I guess, sort of discuss what that meant. There's lots of conversation around it. But in terms of the movie, it makes... No difference whatsoever. I mean, if it could be Star Wars Episode Nine, big pile of shit, I'm still going to go see the movie. It doesn't make me any more or less likely to see the movie. However, yeah, it still annoys me. We don't have one yet. I don't know why. I really want a title, even though it just doesn't fucking matter at all. I did watch some Resistance, and I quite liked it. Um, this was... This week's episode, which was um, the one that was focusing on Sonara and then the kidnapping of Toradoza by the pirates slash the First Order. I feel like, I don't know, for a kidnapping episode, I felt like there was not a ton of tension 
which was a little bit weird. But there was a couple of things that I really liked about it. One, I like that we're getting more Sonara. I think she's awesome. Um, I like having this sort of morally ambiguous character. She's obviously, you know, she's not great. She lets Tora get kidnapped, but immediately regrets it and wants to help. And we're seeing her struggle with her loyalties a lot. I hope they do an episode that sort of shows us why she's with the pirate crew and and what's keeping her tied there, even though she obviously is starting to have affection for for Kaz and it seems like the station as a whole and the people there. Um, there's this nice little thing at the beginning when they're all playing like um uh Kaz and Tam and Tora are all playing games and, and Sonara comes into the bar and they invite her along with them. And and I like that and they sort of show that she is touched by that and affected by it. So we'll see if if they dig into that more. It seems like they must because by the end of the episode, Kaz has some sort of inkling of what's going on. And one thing they did that was really good here and actually surprised me considering how the rest of the season has gone is <laughs> Kaz sort of sees what's going on and doesn't immediately shoot his mouth out about it. So the idea is that the, f- the First Order is pissed because the the pirate raids haven't been enough to get Commander Doza to basically agree to, to let the First Order t- take over. And their idea is to have Tora kidnapped. And Sonara's part in that is, since she's, you know, there, she's going to let on these pirates who are being shipped in like a big, you know, box, basically, and then get them inside the tower somehow. And, you know, that that's her idea. She doesn't, she doesn't at this point know what's going on. But... When she is talking with the two pirates who she who have been smuggled aboard, when she lets them out, Kaz overhears his conversation. And at first isn't quite sure what's going on, but puts it together by the end. Um, because Sonara does grab him and, you know, and, and try to get him help. And of course she gets she gets rescued actually by the first order, of course, because that was their plan all along, is is to swoop in and you know, make it seem like they saved the day and that the aces aren't enough to protect the the base and they they need the first order there. Um and, and Kaz one isn't an idiot. So he knows, hey, Sonara was talking to these people and then these are the same people who kidnapped my friend. Maybe that's a problem. He doesn't just ignore it. And he doesn't shoot his mouth off to Sonara right away. I was expecting it to sort of be the episode ending with him confronting her, but he keeps it quiet and just comments to it about about it to BB-8 as they're walking away at the end. And it's just good to see him actually make a smart decision and do something that might actually make sense with his role as a spy, that he would keep quiet so he could find out more details and really work out what's going on. Uh, the other thing is, it seems like Tora's dad doesn't buy the First Order's line about this completely. Because when the gold stormtrooper guy, whose name I never remember, um, comes back with Tora and is like, you know, the pirates took her and we rescued her. I guess you do need her help after all. He's got this look, which is basically... There's definitely something deeply fishy here. And then the first order is like, hey, we're also going to leave some stormtroopers here because obviously you guys need some help while you think over our very generous offer to help out with your security. And Doze is basically like, I'm going to take my daughter and go now. And I like that. I really, he's another character I hope we get more about, especially since we saw the um, Imperial costume costume uniform in his in his closet in his office so that's needs to come back at some point hopefully soon 
Um, I also really liked that Tora f- fights back when she's kidnapped. She's like always kicking the pirates and shit. That's good. I like her. She's one of my favorite characters on the show. Very happy with her. It's not a perfect episode. Like I said, the tension for a kidnapping episode never really got there for me. Like it feels a little bit, a little bit slow at some points or just not high stakes enough, even though these stakes should feel higher. I don't know. I feel like overall it was still a pretty decent episode. And also it was just nice to, so we had the mid-season trailer, super intense, very war focused. We're going to get to The Force Awakens, we're going to see Hox's scary Nazi speech, all that stuff. And then the two episodes were pretty freaking goofy. And this is one of the more serious ones we've got, even though it's still, you know, it's still a kid show. It's still got some funny stuff. It's still got some silliness in it. But it moved the plot a lot more than the other two. So I'm taking that as a good sign. Overall, I'm feeling pretty positive about the show right now. But we'll see how long that lasts. Because the show is a little bit all over the place in terms of tone. Oh, also, uh, I think it's Tora. I must admit it because it doesn't sound like Tam. But she describes something as, it's so wizard and I wanted to throw something at my TV. But other than that, liked it. Good episode. Solid if you only watched the first couple episodes of this show and and sort of fell out of it, I I recommend getting back in. You know, they're pretty short episodes. Just just marathon them all. There's there's a lot of stupid stuff in there, yes, but there's also a lot of good stuff, and I'm starting to really care about some of these characters. And that's always good. It's very important. So yeah, that's basically that's the Star Wars news. There's no Star Wars news. We're gonna get to some emails and voicemail. Unfortunately, voicemail. So I have to sing the song. But first, what I want to talk about is Thomas Cromwell. And yeah, we're still a Star Wars podcast, and that's a weird thing to say. Okay, so let's talk about Thomas Cromwell, and let's talk about Orson Krennic. Uh, A couple caveats here. First of all, this isn't my version of ring theory. This isn't a thing that I think is intentional in any way. I don't think this is what the, the... Rogue One people are going for. I just think there's some cool parallels between these two figures, and I thought it'd be fun to talk about, uh, especially on a week when there's no Star Wars news. Another caveat. Thomas Cromwell, not a good dude. Um, not the outright villain that we've had in both fictionalized and historic racism for 500 years, almost 500 years now. Um, this idea that he was only motivated by by greed and by loss for power is sort of going away slowly. But he was a person, and a person of, of deep faith. But still, a guy who also got a bunch of people killed. So, you know, as much as I am fascinated by him I want to I want to put out there that I don't think he's a hero of any type but I realize I'm sort of I don't really know what people know about Thomas Cromwell so I'll go through really quickly some of his shit um my fascination with him really started with the Hilary Mantel book Wolf Hall and its sequel obviously that's fictionalized but I mean first of all it's great and you should read it it's beautifully written just a really interesting style but it kicked off me reading all sorts of articles about him and reading a couple of his biographies i'm reading one right now which is thomas cromwell uh, a revolutionary man which is i mean it's a doorstop of a book i'm i'm barely into it but it's really cool and i think a really it digs into some interesting stuff for him as as a man and as a man of faith that we haven't seen very many other places. But anyway, brief overview. Thomas Cromwell, born as a commoner, son of a blacksmith. We don't know a ton about his youth. He went off to like France and Spain, it looks like, and was maybe a mercenary or something. He comes back, comes a lawyer, gets a seat in the House of Commons. Uh, starts working for Colonel Woolsey, 
who is um, like the main man behind Henry VIII. Wolsey goes down. Cromwell doesn't go down with him because Cromwell manages to do what Wolsey didn't, which is get Henry VIII a divorce from Catherine of Aragon, his first wife. Uh, does this through basically separating England from Rome and the Catholic Church. So, anyway. Henry, of course, is grateful that Cromwell could get him what nobody else could. It also, with the with the break from Rome, England gets all the money that was going to the, the various monasteries. So, Cromwell is becoming more and more relied upon. Um, let's see. He is also one in charge of getting rid of Anne Boleyn. In, in this case, it means charges of adultery and treason. Anne Boleyn and five men are beheaded. Then Henry marries Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour gives him the son that he's wanted, so he has an heir. Jane Seymour dies. Cromwell pushes a marriage with Anne of Cleves because he wanted a Germanic alliance. Turns out Anne of Cleves was unattractive. Henry is furious. Cromwell's enemies use this as an opportunity to bring charges against Cromwell for for uh, I mean, there's tons of stuff here. There's there's treason and there's supporting the Anabaptists, which he is spurious and a bunch of other shit. Anyway, since the king's pissed over the Anne of Cleves things, Cromwell is killed, and Henry almost immediately regrets it. But anyway, that's another thing not important. What is important about Cromwell is. And I think this, it's sort of, it's hard to stress this because it's, it's so foreign to, to modern culture, just how important class was in this era. And class doesn't just mean wealth. You could be, you could know, you could rise up to be a super wealthy merchant, but if you didn't have a title, if you weren't nobility, it only took you so far. And Cromwell didn't have a title. He was, like I said, a commoner, son of a blacksmith. But, I mean, basically an entirely, as much as I hate this term now because it's used by a whole ton of terrible fucking billionaires, he was a self-made man. And those men didn't have the kind of political power that Cromwell had. It was, it was unheard of, and that's one of the reasons... He was really resented. There's also, of course, he was a big supporter of the Reformation and obviously, you know, broke England from Rome. So there's also tons of resentment there from religious sides. But, I mean, his main, his main enemies at court, a lot of them really resented that this, this common man had any power at all. And that was sort of where my thing with the Cromwell and Krennic things started. Because... We've gotten through through some of the, the interviews that have been done with Rogue One and through um, like Catalyst and other stuff. This idea that Krennic is sort of the working class imperial. And one of the main, I think one of the brilliant ways they do this is having Ben Mendelsohn use his regular accent. Because we've always had the Imperials as this really, like, posh British, like, you know, thing. Especially when, when one of the main people you're uh, conflict, conflicting them up against is Tarkin. I mean, that's, that's a really big difference. So this idea that, that Krennic is this wrong side of the tracks managed to get into the Futures Program and the Imperial Academy and clawed his way up to power through, admittedly, 
lots of schemes and some betraying people and some outright lying. But and okay, look, he never he never gets as powerful as as Cromwell did. Cromwell was, I mean, probably one of the most powerful people in England when he was at his height. Krennic never reaches that because Krennic dies before he can. But that's sort of the direction he would have headed in. Like if if the Death Star had been successful and if he hadn't been killed by it on Jeddah. You could see that trajectory like keep on going if he had managed to just work around Tarkin a little bit better. Uh, and then I just sort of, I don't know, for some reason, I think it's just because I'm obsessed with both these characters that obviously I start thinking about them together. And I think one of the other cool things that parallels you have is they're both true believers. Uh, Krennic believes in the empire um you know it's a t- true belief in fascism is still true belief not something to be applauded but it's there and cromwell well we do have these these old portrayals of him, and it's still some of the portrayals today though it's starting to go away of the you know the idea that the dissolution of the monasteries and the break with rome was just to gain power it doesn't seem to actually hold up under scrutiny. He really was a believer in the Reformation. He got all sorts of other reformers into important positions. Also, he was the driving force behind getting the first approved, sponsored English translation of the Bible in England and sent to all parishes. And for all his brilliance politically, even when the king thought Reformation was going through far, Cromwell didn't draw back. And that's what his enemies used to kill him. And so if he wasn't if he wasn't a man of faith at all, he would have protected himself better there. Anyway, yeah, both true believers, both men coming from nothing, rising to the ranks through their own determination. Uh, they also, <laughs> this is a cool one, is, I forget where this was talked about, but this idea that Krennic doesn't believe in the Force. And I don't mean that he doesn't believe it exists. He knows it exists. He gets fucking choked out by Vader. But he thinks that the future of the Empire, the future of the galaxy is in in the military and in like the normal people in the Empire. It's it's through the force of things like the Death Star and technology and not, you know, m- magical wizards in dark helmets. And that also can be tracked with Cromwell. If if you really want to stretch it, like I do, because, hey, I'm already going down this road, might as well commit to it. But Cromwell, because of his background, he doesn't think that the future of England is is with the nobility. He believes it's with merchants. He believes it's with bankers. He believes it's with with people like that. Like, it's not, he's not, look, it's not like he was trying to overthrow the king or anything like that, that thoughts at that time were, were entirely foreign to probably just about anybody but he he had much more commitment to to commoners and to peasants and but like he there were a couple bills that he sponsored to help the poor and all this other stuff that really seems to be driven by the fact that he didn't think nobility was some sort of divine right. Now, next. Stay with me here. And God, if you're still with me, God bless you. Thank you. But both men are killed because 
at the end of the day, they only really had one thing to protect them. Cromwell had Henry, and and Tarkin had the fact that he was in charge of the Death Star. So I guess Henry VIII in this is the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. The Death Star is Krennic's Henry VIII. Let's go with that. Sure. Why not? <laughs> so, Henry really, in, in ways, was, was made by Cromwell. I mean, obviously he was king before and after Cromwell. That's how kingship works. But the amount of money he had, the amount of powers that he had, don't exist without Cromwell. If Cromwell hadn't driven this split with Rome, Henry's powers don't increase the way they did. The The coffers of, of England don't increase the way they did. And, and Henry relied greatly on Cromwell. It was, you know, Cromwell gets promoted again and again and again. He takes all these sorts of titles that, you know, commoners have never had before. Some of them never even existed. Oh, eventually Cromwell does get made an earl, but that's not that long before he gets killed. But Henry's the only one to protect him because he has so many enemies at court. He, I mean, it's partially because of his religious beliefs, partially because of people being resentful of the power that he has, especially the power that he has as non-ability. He had this idea that he doesn't, he has no right to be there. And so as soon as Henry isn't there to protect him, as soon as Henry is pissed at him about this one thing, this thing that like, Anne of Cleves was ugly, they can move in and kill him. So, Krennic has the Death Star. Otherwise, like, nobody fucking needs him. But this thing that he has is maybe the most important thing in the galaxy. This is... universe-changing technology. Universe-changing power. If it works. And, you know, if, th if it doesn't have it, that'll shoot going directly to the thing that'll make it all explode. But that's that's why he dies, because that's the only thing he has. He doesn't have a way to, to out-maneuver Tarkin once Tarkin can just swoop in and kill him with his own creation. Yeah. Death Star is Henry VIII. Not at all a stupid sentence that should never be said aloud by anybody. Definitely not. But, yeah. That's my thing. I know it's weird. And I know it's utterly pointless. But I think it's really cool. I could go on and on and on about Cromwell. In fact, there... Look, I'll be honest with you. This is the second time I've recorded this bit. The first one had a lot more tangents. About sort of how Cromwell came to be Cromwell. But... I am, there's like nobody out there listening to this who's interested in this. But if you are, fucking hit me up on Twitter and we'll talk about Cromwell. Because, I mean, you know, you want to see him as completely as a villain or no, either way, he's really fascinating and did things that nobody before had done. And then Orson Krennic is just fucking awesome and he has a sweet cape. Cromwell does not have a sweet white cape. He also does have a stupid hat. Uh, if you want to see a stupid hat, Google Thomas Cromwell. There's like one painting of him. It's the famous painting of him that's used any time that Cromwell's talked about. It's by Hans Holbein, who did pretty much any picture of somebody that you've seen during Henry VIII's reign. Basically. He painted a shit ton of super rich people in the Tudor era. Okay, anyway, 
Oh, let's, let's, let's go on to something that's not me rambling about stuff that nobody cares about. All right. So we're going we're gonna to get into some emails before I completely, completely lose my goddamn mind. Oh, by the way, if you want to hear from some really stupid fucking people on Twitter, just tweet that Ryan Johnson is awesome, and you'll hear some from really fucking stupid people on Twitter. Including people who will call you stupid while using the wrong form of your. So, fuck off, dude. But now I just block those people pretty much instantly. Anyway, Ryan Johnson liked the tweet, so you can all fuck off. Email time. All right. Oh, God. All right. I have to sing the voicemail song. And it's all right. Here's the thing is I record in New York and Bernie records in California. We don't have like Skype up or anything. I mean, like video up. It's just audio. So I'm always really just singing it alone in my room. However, when there's nobody else listening, I'm entirely more self-conscious about it. It just seems much stranger. But oh, my God, here we go. Voicemail, it's a voicemail song. I really, really hate this stupid song. I'm really self-conscious and I want to stop. Oh my god, it's a voicemail song. Okay, that's that's the voicemail song this week. This was all a mistake. Anyway, we got a voicemail. Actually, a while ago, like back when I first announced I was doing a, a solo show. So... Catherine, it's taken us almost a month to play this voicemail, but we're going to play it now. From Catherine Neen. Hello, Canto Barters. It's Catherine from Australia. I think I missed your New Year's resolution show, so I'm just sending you this voicemail to say I can't wait to meet you two in celebration. It's going to be so good. Anyway, so see you well in april and bye to all the rest of the um canto bitches bye Catherine, we're very excited to see you too it's gonna be fun and awesome because you are awesome let's just do all the voicemail now we have some other email too and we have the top three and some fuck my kill but we're gonna do all the voicemail because I'm not singing the song again. Oh, we got one from our buddy, Roar Farm Boy. So let's do that. How do, Miss Emily? This here is Roar Farm Boy from that Twitterverse. Where Anthony is, I'm speaking to you now. Answering Miss Brittany's call for messages. Because you're going to go it alone for next episode of Kato Bite Dispatch. Oh, another slow news week, so... What could we find to talk about? What can I ask Miss Emily? Because I've been hearing you for quite a while now on different shows. That long form year in review that you done with Steel for three hours that was a great fun show. And even your last episode that you had with Hawes. But I'll ask this of you. Kind of getting to know you in those ways, but what was your in to Star Wars fandom. How did Miss Emily become a Star Wars fan? And I think Say understands it right, you're a Star Trek fan too, but that there's different discussion. So what got you hooked? And I can get to know you a little better that way. And then you hear me on other different shows and maybe you find my ends that way, but it's not about me, this here's about Miss Emily. And I will look forward to next show and hear what you got to say. So till then, May the force be with you. And you too, Miss Brittany. See you on the radio. Okay. So. And yeah, I am. I'm also a big Star Trek fan. I actually do a Star Trek podcast called He's Dead Jim, where we are going through the original series one episode at a time, talking about it. Sometimes guests, sometimes without. But that's pretty fun. He's Dead Jim. Look on um, Twitter at He's Dead Jim Pod. I started watching Star Trek Next Generation when I was like seven years old. Anyway, this is about Star Wars. 
not that you know it from the previous hour of this show, or honestly, probably after I edit this, the previous 20 minutes of this show. Um, I don't remember watching A New Hope first, although I, I must have. But I, what I remember watching first, the first memory I have is I would have been, I don't know, six, seven, eight, somewhere around there seeing Empire Strikes Back and getting to the part in Empire Strikes Back with, no, I am your father, and losing my little kid mind. I'm like running to see my dad who's sitting at his computer, totally oblivious. And I'm like, dad, dad, dad. He could not give a shit. But that little kid mind blown. And, you know, I just, I liked the movies. But I probably wasn't, I mean, active in fandom. Wow. So that gets me hooked. But, you know, there's only three movies. And, well, I guess the Ewok movies as well. And, I mean, Star Trek is on every week. So Star Trek was my main focus, even though I still love Star Wars. Watched them a lot. I was in middle school when the special editions came out and that was that was a pretty big deal like that got me back into being super excited about star wars uh, i saw like all three of those multiple times in the, in the theater like my friends and i would like play around with lightsabers all the time we were all super into it we'd have sleepovers we watched star wars lots of that um and then the prequels came out, and look, all right, I've talked about it on the show before. I'm not going to hammer away on it. I don't like the prequels. I just don't. They're not for me. But before every movie, I convinced myself, this one's going to be awesome. Like This one's going to be better than the last one. It's going to be great. And I would see it at the midnight showings. Like one time, my brother and I, because uh, at this point, when, when Phantom Menace came out, we didn't... I think we didn't have a theater in our hometown yet. Either we didn't have a theater or they weren't showing it at midnight. Like, they weren't showing it until the next day. And there's a place, like, 40-minute drive that was showing at midnight. Teeny little theater. Like, I think, like, maybe maybe only one screen. I think two. And so we he picked me up after school and we, we drove out there. We sat in line until midnight <laughs> to see this movie. I convinced myself that I liked it because it was obviously a new Star Wars in the theater. That was very exciting. And then I just sort of, it sort of died away again. I think if I had liked the prequels, I might have kept up with it and it might have been a thing where I was like reading and writing fan fiction online and stuff because I was involved with, with other online fandoms around that time that would have been like the X-Files and and Sliders and think yeah some of that stuff that it would have been really active about but in terms of being really active in the fandom it wasn't until Disney bought Star Wars and we learned we were getting a new movie again and Steel Saunders who I listen to from his comedy podcast, I Love Green Guide Ladders, which is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Really super good. Go back and listen to some of the old episodes. It's really funny. And since he was going to start up a Star Wars podcast, I'm like, I'll listen to that because it's Steel. And Steel has an enthusiasm that is really infectious. And so he got me he got me excited about Star Wars again. Like yeah, if that look, if I hadn't liked The Force Awakens, it doesn't matter how enthusiastic Steagle is, I wouldn't have kept up with it. But I love Force Awakens. It was everything I loved about Star Wars. Plus plus Ray. Look, Leia is amazing. I love Leia. Leia is one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. She gets to do some really cool stuff in those movies. She takes charge. She's awesome. But it was different with Ray. Because Ray's, Ray's the lead. It's Ray's story. It was never Leia's story. This was Ray's story. 
And I don't know, that was like an instant, just utterly falling in love with this character. And even though I liked Star Wars as a kid, I loved Star Wars as a kid. I played Star Wars as a kid. I watched it all the time and I could quote large swaths of it and I would have lightsaber fights and I would like imagine myself like what my role in Star Wars could be. But what really captured me again was was the new trilogy. There's something so magical in that first movie. And it invokes such nostalgia in me while still doing some new things and bringing in some some like like not just new characters but new themes and it's just that trailer where you see Ray, like you don't even see her face when she's all, you know, when she's doing the scavenger thing, she's dropping down the 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 veil line through the through the destroyed stardust. Her just seeing that, you like even watching it on like my phone is enough to bring this this sense of awe in me. And I I've always been a fan of, uh, a fantasy and a sci fi fan, and I think. The reason that, that Star Wars works for me so much is Star Wars is a fantasy story in sci-fi rapper. And so it hits both of those notes and does it in a way that, it, I don't know, it's magic. Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, even as a kid, I had read some of the books I never really got into the, the like at the adult part of the EU but I read a lot of those like the young Jedi books that were about um Hanae's twins I read a ton of those like I would always get those from the library I don't I don't I don't remember pretty much anything about them now but I really enjoyed them But that was about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's weird because I'm, I'm somebody who is very fandom-oriented. When I like something, I want to be online and I want to be reading all the stuff and I want to be in, in forums and discussion groups. And, oh God, forums. I'm so fucking old. Um, <laughs> in fandom terms, I'm really fucking old. But but Star Wars, that never really happened with me until until the new stuff and with with podcasts and with Twitter that really connected me to people beyond just me liking it myself. But yeah, thank you for asking that. Thank you for writing in. All right. We also have... We also have one from King Tom. King of all Toms. Tom Chansky. Bring it with the voicemail. And this is <laughs> voicemail explanation mark. It's a voicemail song. I hope the recording doesn't come out too long. Death Watch. Let's see. What does Tom have to say? Always something interesting. Loading, 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 loading. Oh my god, I have so much editing to do. Hey, Lindo. Great job last week. Especially, I especially enjoyed your little discussion with Hawes. I never knew that you were such a Lost fan. Um, it's quite a combination. Lost and Star Wars always works in my book. One of my things about Lost, I've been thinking about this recently since your conversation with Hawes. I'm, I'm such a huge fan of the character of Ben Linus. I know he's a slimy, weaselly, asshole bastard, but I like that kind of character. And I was thinking about it because Ben Linus and Krennic or Mendo remind me a lot of each other. You know, they're both in a position of power, but they answer to someone else. They were not born to their station or what, you know, they, they had to work their way up, basically. And it just, the more I was thinking about it, the more I was thinking how similar characters they are and no disrespect against mendo but 
I don't think that, you know, if you would switch the characters around, I don't know that Ben Linus would have let himself be outmaneuvered by Tarkin. I think he would have had maybe something up his sleeve or, you know, some something going on with Vader or the Emperor, just some way to get around Tarkin. But maybe, maybe that's just me. And I'm wondering if you think the same thing. You know, if you had... If you had to be part of a group and follow either Ben Linus or Mendo, who would you pick? For me, I, I think it might be Ben Linus, um, but that's only because he was redeemed in the end and uh, Mendo just kind of ended up as dust on, on Scarif. I don't know. I'm wondering if you had the same thoughts or anything different. Anyway, I look forward to it and uh, keep it up the great podcast and I'll talk to you later. Oh my God, Tom. Tom, 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 Tom. My favorite character on Lost. Like, hands down, not even close, my favorite character on Lost. Yeah, it turns out I super have a type. Oh my god. Anyway, Ben Linus, yes, amazing. From the very beginning, super in love with that character. Like when he's calling himself Henry Gale, and I went, well, he's obviously lying. That's from The Wizard of Oz. And he turns out to be so weird and slimy and manipulative but also has this crazy like this crazy fanatic level of faith and and i think that's such an interesting combination and he's he's such a fucking bastard but i love him so much and there are times when i'm extremely sympathetic with him and it's just i mean goddamn it's such a good uh, it's such a good portrayal by um, Michael Emerson. God damn. Yeah, I love him on that show. I I think the the addition of of him is one of the reasons that the Gloss continued to work for me. Uh, I think I, I don't know if I would have made it all the way through with all that. Like he comes in halfway through the second season. And just immediately fascinating. And yeah, I hadn't thought about that, which is like, oh my god, considering I just done a whole of my fucking Thomas Cromwell bullshit. This is a much more actual thing. Yeah. I think I think they, they are sort of cut from the same mold. And Hmm, who would I follow? Now, yeah, I mean, if you had asked who who would, I, who would I sleep with, that's a much different question. We all know the answer to that. Um, but who would I follow? Yeah, I think you're right in that Ben was better at contingency plans. Because even though, even though Ben definitely shares this, like, crazy amount of arrogance and this idea of of what's owed to him and what he deserves he still he still knows that there's lots of different ways that he could lose and is prepared for that whereas Krennic got overconfident and and, and and dies because of it. Um I mean, yeah. So yeah, I'd probably probably in most situations gonna be gonna be following Ben. A little bit more of a survival instinct, I think. I mean, especially if I'm on like a creepy island somewhere. Creepy island? Definitely follow Ben. And not just, like, over Krennic, over anybody else on that island. I'm following him over God. I'm not following Jack. Fucking hate Jack. Sorry, Haas. Can't stand him. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think Haas last week described him as, 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 a, as a lawful good character. And I realized I have no interest in lawful good characters. I, I never, like, they're never the characters I'm drawn to watch on TV. They're never the characters I played when I played D&D. Or any other role-playing game, I was always, like, neutral or chaotic, usually chaotic neutral. 
so yeah I could hang out with Ben I would like to hang out with Ben Ben's awesome favorite character on Lost absolutely nobody's even close he, he, however, does not have a sweet white cape. Now, I think he'd look ridiculous in a sweet white cape. But, no cape. So, really, how good of a leader can you be if you don't have a cape? You get, like, ten points off right there. Okay. Okay. Email. Uh, we got one a couple weeks ago from Eric, and I had to hold on to it just because, um... Pause was on last week. So, <laughs> preface this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Disney Plus. One of the things that we came across they were doing was a Three Men and a Baby remake, and I found it the most unnecessary thing ever. Not because I hold Three Men and a Baby as some sacred thing, but because the idea of look how crazy it is for men to take care of a baby thing to be really old. Anyway, this is from Eric Strothers, one of my favorite people in the universe. As I've said before, almost as good as elephants. Really cool dude. I get to meet him in like two and a half months. Cannot wait. Actually, less than two and a half months. Like two months from now. Holy shit. Awesome. Anyway, he says, hey, CBD. Oh, and the title of this is One Man and Two Babies. I always take on three men and a baby is spot on. I am awesome with babies. I know there are tons of guys that are. Plus, the originals were stupid. Also, the release order for viewing is my favorite too, especially for someone new. Reveal that Vader is Luke's father and Empire Strikes Back is a throwaway if the viewer already knows for sure. I know the fact is common knowledge among non-fans, but seeing it in-universe in Revenge of the Sith before you get to Empire Strikes Back is a whole different thing. My Star Wars experience has been so important to me, and I wouldn't change anything about it. When someone wants a recommendation, I naturally want them to experience it the way I did. Anyway, keep up the good work. I would have more to say, but I've simply got an eyebrow emergency that cannot wait. Aw, thank you for writing in, Eric. I get to meet Eric Strathers. It's very cool. He's a good dude. We know lots of good dudes, and I'm going to meet a lot of them at Celebration. By the way, if you're going to Celebration, and you don't know us, but you listen to the show, let us know that you're coming to Celebration. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to have a huge crowd of lots of awesome people. But if you want to just say hi, like tweet at us or something so we know you're going to be there. And we'll find time to come say hi. At Pod on Twitter. Let's see. What else? Ooh, we got a top three from Rabia. Rabia also writes in a lot. Hello, Emily and guests. No guests, sorry. It's just me. I hope you guys are doing well. I was wondering what your favorite dumb fan theories you've ever heard are for Star Wars. Here are mine. <laughs> three. Bigger Luke. The theory that Luke has a double in A New Hope because there are height discrepancies between certain shots and that he kills a double in the cave on Dagobah. I think it's intentionally stupid, but I still love it. Two. Finn is a Calrissian or a Windu because God forbid there are more than two black families in Star Wars. One. raise the reincarnation of Anakin Skywalker and Luke would reveal that and the Force Ghost would appear. It's so stupid that Anakin will emerge as a woman with no connection to his family to do things that presumably he couldn't do as a force ghost. Also, let Rey just be Rey. She doesn't need to be a Skywalker to be more important or powerful. I always keep on podcasting, Rabia. Oh my god. I hadn't heard that reincarnation of Anakin one. Holy shit, that's stupid. Um... Oh, man. I don't know if I have a top three, but let's talk about some of them. Yeah, the, the bigger Luke thing, it probably is supposed to be ridiculous. I don't know. It's very weird. If you haven't heard of it, look at it. Like Google it. It's bizarre. Um, yeah, the Finn thing really bugged me. This idea that, that Finn was going to be, like, Lando's son or something like that. Like, like Robbie says, I mean, God forbid, there'd just be, a, like, another black dude out there. No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they all gotta be related. They all have to be related in Star Wars. If you're black, you're all related. Like, that's super fucked up. Oh, my God. Um, we've talked about this a lot. And apologies to Johnny Grasso. I, like, I don't want Ray to be related to anybody. I just want Ray to be Ray. I like that so much more. She's just this girl... Who has this power and has this this strength because because she does because she's Ray, not because she's a Skywalker or Solo or some shit. 
Also, part of my problem with that is... I don't think there's any way to do it without ruining the character of whoever her parents are. Like what? Like I'm supposed to believe that like Leia and Han would just abandon a daughter somewhere? Or that Luke just would like peace out on his kid and never let them know that they were his kid? No, doesn't work for me at all. I I want I want Ray to be Ray. She's important enough as she is. And also I just oh my god, I hate how small it would make the universe. I don't want the universe to be that small, and I don't want the force to be that small. I want I want the force to be able to manifest it in anybody. Not just this like couple of bloodlines out there. Um what else? I mean basically any Snoke theory. They're all terrible. There are no good Snoke theories. Um Oh god, the fucking the the terrible like Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord. Go fuck yourself. Holy shit, it's terrible. I never want to hear it again. I don't like it. And I don't know if it counts or not, and but in terms of like theories you're talking about, I hate ring theory. Hate ring theory. Look, there's plenty of intentional mirroring in Star Wars. But if you actually look at this, the lists of Ring Theory, so much of it is such an amazingly huge stretch. And it's like, you're like, oh, there's rocks in this scene and there's rocks in this scene in this other movie. Go fuck yourself. No, stop it. Just stop it. Also, it doesn't make the prequels any better. Like, you like the prequels or you don't. I hate the, I like I don't like them at all. And... <sighs> A movie needs to be good on its own before you put in, well, these, like, look at all this, like, mirroring stuff that he was doing. So even if Ring Theory were true, even if everything they said in there wasn't intentional, it doesn't make the movies any better than they are. In fact, it would actually make them worse because, oh my god, he would take all that time focusing on making sure there's this insane level of mirroring going on between these six films. You focused on that more than story or dialogue or anything else. No. Hate Ring Theory. Hate it. It's bullshit. Isn't this so, so much more positive when Brittany's on? I'm so sorry. Brittany would have apologized like eight times by now. And I kind of don't care. I mean, I care if I like offend somebody or like hurt somebody's feelings. But I don't think me saying that Ring Theory sucks is going to hurt the feelings of any listeners of this show. And if it is... I don't know, fucking DM me and we'll talk about it. Ooh, Catherine also sent a fuck Mary Kill. So let's end with that. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, this is perfect. This is Fuck Mary Kill Evil Space Shoot Edition. Oh, Catherine Fighters. For your selection in Fuck Mary Kill today, Tarkin, Scorpius, who is a bad guy in Farscape. <laughs> uh looks kind of like a praying mantis in a bondage outfit. Yeah, close enough. And Goldukat, who is uh becomes one of the main uh villains in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is my favorite. Uh Goldukat, he's a Cardassian. He has a really bizarre storyline where he gets involved in this whole like religious alien thing where he gets possessed and kills my favorite character on the show but also I still love him anyway and he's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> back to Catherine's evil. I think you kill Scorpius. He was evil and nasty and really twisted. Dukat is a backstabbing bastard so you could only trust him for one night, if that. Tarkin is career focused so maybe wouldn't bother you too much so marry him. Catherine. Oh my god, Catherine. This is a good list. This is very hard. Scorpius is dying. Scorpius is great on Farscape. There's some really... Like, everybody watched Farscape. I know we talked about it last week. It's so underrated. It's good. It's funny. It's wacky. And then all of a sudden, it'll be this insane level of character drama that'll, like, smack you upside the head because you've just been watching funny aliens. And then all of a sudden, not funny at all. Super serious. And sometimes that'll be in the same episode. And it's so awesome. 
like there's this episode called crackers don't matter where the characters start losing their minds and it's it's super funny it's all played for a joke everything's really wacky and like at like a level like 12 bizarre and then all of a sudden there's a scene where your your main character might assault another one of your main characters and it gets really scary and it's just on a dime but it's not done in a cheap way like they 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 acknowledge that it's this really like scary moment it's not a throwaway thing like it's a huge fucking like anyway it's awesome watch the movie watch Farscape it's awesome it's so good like watch it however you can either I think you I mean I don't even know if it's for sale anywhere I think iTunes has it up but I didn't see it anywhere else fucking you can find the the Blu-ray and the DVD for really cheap now. <laughs> um, yeah, but Scorpius is dying. He's interesting, but he's yeah, not not the kind of interesting that I want to sleep with. Um, yeah, Ducat. I always had a thing for Ducat. Again, see Tarkin, see Krennic, see Ben Linus, see every character I've talked about liking on every episode of Cantabite. And you'll see, uh, if you are a Deep Space Nine fan, you know why I like Dukat. If you haven't seen Deep Space Nine, that's the kind of character he is. Um, hmm. Hmm. But no, I think you're right, Catherine. Because Gaudica is much more likely to kill you than Tarkin. Like, Tarkin, if you betray Tarkin, Tarkin's definitely going to kill you. Dukat might just do it because he's bored. Or because he just decides to. You wouldn't have to do anything to Dukat to get Dukat to kill you. Um, Yeah, so sleeping with Dukat, marrying Tarkin, yeah. I mean, Peter Cushing's awesome. You get to hear his nice voice all the time. He's just walking around the apartment in great slippers. He's mostly probably going to leave you alone. And then he's, like, going to serve you tea. He's he's a gentleman. I mean, except for all the, you know, being a fascist overlord and all that shit. And the Death Star and killing millions of people. Billions of people? I don't know what the population of, of, of Alderaan is. I don't remember. But as long as you're not bothered by the politics of that. I bet he's probably got like a really good taste in classical music. Got a nice book collection. Tastefully decorated house. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Marion Tarkin. I'm done with that. Anyway, oh my god, I gotta stop recording because I am starting to lose my mind. Just so you, like, I'm just gonna say this. I've been recording for like an hour and a half. This episode's not gonna be an hour and a half because I, I am gonna edit the hell out of it. Oh my god, the crumble stuff was crazy. And I, I, I apologize. I hope I haven't ruined the show. Brittany, did I ruin the show? I don't know. We'll see. Let me know if I ruined the show. Send an email. Cantabypod <laughs> at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. At Canto by Pod or on Instagram at Canto by Pod. You can follow Brittany on Twitter at Canto Brit. You can follow me on Twitter at EF Lind. That's E F L I N D. Um, I don't know, guys. I don't know what to tell you. This was an experiment. Didn't go well. Really difficult. Much harder than I thought it was going to be. But hopefully, we'll salvage something of it. And if not, this episode will be lost to the. Ravages of time. Anyway, we're all going to die. Doesn't matter. The world's going to explode at some point. So it's okay if there's a bad podcast episode now and again. Alright guys, thank you so much for putting up with me if you made it this far. I'm going to go have some dinner and drink until I forget. Except I have to edit this episode in a couple of days, which means I need to re-listen to it. Oh no. Bad things. Guys. Anyway, thanks for bearing with me, and we'll talk to you guys next week. 
Yes, Brittany will be back. Thank God. Uh, yeah, write us write in on Twitter or an email, cantabypod at gmail.com. Send us fuck, Mary kill. Send us voicemail. Make me sing that terrible song every week. Thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. Uh, people were really encouraging about me doing a solo show. That was good. Uh, thanks for to Johnny Grasso for the advice he gave me. Uh, don't blame him for this. It's all it's all my own fault. He gave me advice and I ignored most of it. But <laughs> we'll be back next week to our normal, not quite so rambly show. Bye. Ghetto bitch number one doing it fulcrum style. Uh, check it out. Listen up, y'all, cause this is it. Fuck all the rest, be a Ghetto bitch. Brittany, the Jinj, and Emily Lynn. Bet on these two to show place and win. These are the girls you've been looking for. Unique takes on Star Wars and more. Listen every week for laughs and fun. Take it from me, Ghetto bitch number one. All my girls and...